Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. On this edition, we break down the playoff rankings, ask why college football isn't popular in the Northeast, praise Notre Dame, and deliver important news from the animal kingdom, including... Aurora the Falcon. Welcome to the Yahoo Sports College podcast. I am Dan Wetzel, joined by Pete Thamel. Pat Forty is not with us tonight. He was covering the basketball doubleheader in Indy. Uh, and he missed all, he's going to miss all the excitement. You guys will obviously uh, enjoy the show more without his ramblings. The... Second college football playoff rankings just came out. Alabama, number one, breaking news. It's a breaking news alert. Got Wolf Blitzer coming on this thing or something <laughs> like this. It was like election coverage. Like, uh, Republican just won in, uh, you know, whatever. Nebraska. Oh, my goodness. Uh, all right. Uh, Alabama, one. Two is Clemson. Three is Notre Dame. And four is Michigan. Uh, five, Georgia. They're on the outside. Six, Oklahoma. Seven, LSU. Eight, Washington State. West Virginia is ninth. Ohio State is 10th. Kentucky is 11. And UCF finally comes in at 12. Um, Pete, here's my basic thoughts on this. Um, I mean, it's just not that important (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Georgia's five, but obviously if they beat Alabama, they're in. So if they yeah. went out, they're in. Yeah. Tread um, water and pull the upset. Yeah. Tread water, pull the upset. Michigan at four is actually in a far more precarious position. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame went out. They're in. Georgia wins out. They're in. I don't think Michigan is. Uh, if, if, the, if Georgia were to upset Alabama, Georgia's going to get in, and I think Alabama's going to drop back and bounce Michigan out. I don't think Michigan has a has any guarantee spot. And I say that because if you look at this poll, it is clear the committee is enamored with the SEC. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't be enamored with the SEC, but they most certainly are. Bama is one. Georgia is five. LSU now has two losses. Just got absolutely trucked, shut out at home. They only dropped to seven. Okay. Washington State, West Virginia, Ohio State, one loss teams from the Pac-12, Big 12, and Big 10 are behind them. So that's how much credit they're giving to the SEC. Losing to Alabama like that didn't mean anything. That means Alabama has got so much power. Also, 
Kentucky only goes to 11. UCF is still ahead of Kentucky. So to me, Alabama, you know, on two two elements here, Bama is considered so good that getting that losing in a shutout, a non-competitive, mostly non-competitive shutout at home only drops you to seven. And you already got that's your second loss. And then B, I mean, you're just looking at at all these teams up top. So if Alabama loses, unless they lose twice, they'd have to lose to like Auburn and Georgia. Uh, I think they go into the SEC title game. It doesn't matter. They could lose, and then obviously Georgia would jump in, and I, that's why I think Michigan is sitting at four. They're actually in a more precarious spot. Oklahoma or West Virginia is going to need a lot of work to get there. West Virginia uh, moved from 13 to nine. Nice bounce with their, their real dramatic win against Texas, but they're still sitting at nine. Uh, and Ohio State, I don't, I just don't know how you get there. Uh, all you got, you got Michigan State, you got a Michigan game. Uh, they're going to need some help because you got Oklahoma or West Virginia could easily win the. I mean, there's just a lot of, lot of log jam in front of Ohio State. They got a lot of work to do. So, um, to me, this is the SEC's. This is the SEC's playoff to be had. What do you think? I agree. First of all, these are some of the more boring rankings that we've been a part of. Uh, Dude, I tried on. so hard there. That really, and yeah. I, I admit, yeah. I tried to sell that. I didn't yeah. think I did very well. No, no. It, we should like put on the headline, like shut off the podcast. Uh, yeah. We actually have good stuff Fast later forward. coming with the, with the basketball scandal and some other stuff. But uh, yeah, so like I went on ESPN.com today and the headline was, Georgia may be closer than you think at four, which was an, actually a headline that read, please God, someone watch our irrelevant <laughs> show tonight. We have 17 different people in nice suits and fancy ties saying the same thing. Over and over and over. Let's go to this guy here. Let's go to this guy here. So we can all analyze the very obvious same thing that we all knew when we woke up today. So, no, I don't think there's too much to dig in onto these rankings, Dan. I do appreciate the uh, I mean, no, the yeah. effort. Effort. We'll give you like clam diggers because you like really went in there with your shovel and, uh, you know, you got in. You got in hard. It was um, straight used car sales, man. Yeah. I was like really yeah. trying to pretend I cared. I had tangible, <laughs> tangible points here. <laughs> yeah i uh fooled nobody yeah I, I i feel like we could have a relatively drama free end to all this year you know like when he, all right georgia's not beating alabama clemson's not gonna lose and then notre dame could lose i think a one loss oklahoma or west virginia and they probably gonna play each other twice would jump over a two-loss Georgia. I don't get seven and two LSU. I mean, that Florida loss looks a lot worse now because Missouri went into Gainesville and just absolutely eviscerated the Gators. Um, if you're Washington State, like th- probably the biggest takeaway from these is if you're Washington State, like kiss any hopes goodbye. Like they and UCF have glass ceilings and they're not getting much higher. Like Washington State beats Cal, big ESPN game, and LSU just gets absolutely run off the field and can't move the ball. And Washington State has one loss, which arguably is on a bad call at USC, and LSU still sitting ahead of them. So, yeah, that was that was not good. I agreed with your general SEC overtones, Dan, certainly. So, yeah. And Ohio State, I think a lot of it's the eye test. They don't look that good. They deserve to kind of be in the back. 
Yeah, they're gonna. They got work. They need to have an impressive victory over Michigan State, probably to get back in this thing. Or they're gonna be too far behind. Yeah, to the point where beating Michigan and whatever comes out of the West is gonna be enough. Yeah, uh, you know, like they got to do the, something. The Michigan win could put them on the cusp, though. You know, like if they really whooped them at home, I just don't think they're capable of stopping anyone right now. Then there's this. Now, this is we'll talk about this a lot because I can't believe the Big Twelve added a conference championship game in the first place, but. Like West Virginia or Oklahoma, Oklahoma could go to West Virginia, beat them, basically get themselves into playoff with some other things happening, and then they got to have to play West Virginia again the week later in Arlington. Yeah, like it's a possibility of a we could end up with a double header, kind of a home and home, if you will, which mm-hmm. is just the classic way for the Big Twelve to knock themselves yeah. out of a playoff. Everybody um, gets an extra million bucks, but in the big yeah, picture, congratulations, you're out. Yeah. You didn't, don't you don't, really- yeah. So, I don't really think that's going to help very much. So. No, I don't think so either. All right. Um, all right. Let's talk quickly about uh, this is a football podcast. So we're going to do lots of football. But the story we broke uh, tonight, which uh, Tuesday night. Sorry, you listen to this on Wednesday or whenever of the uh, NCAA uh basically be granted, a, you know, a nod or I don't know what we're calling it, but uh, uh some kind of a go ahead from the federal government that if they want to start investigating the schools mentioned in the first federal fraud trial, uh, the feds are, are okay with that. There seemed to have been a, a gentleman's agreement, if you will, to, to wait on that and see, you know, to, to let the, the trial play out. Uh, and now the NCA is kind of free to, free to roll if they want. Is that, uh, how would, how would you describe it, Pete? Yeah, I think, Dan, that's a really good way to describe it. There, The NCA, you know, and those of us, those are listeners who followed our coverage, and we appreciate you both listening and following our coverage, would know that we've written numerous times over the last year that the NCA has been in constant communication with the feds throughout all this. And the one thing the NCA doesn't want to do is get in the way of any federal investigation. So this is a sign that some from the first trial, again, there's two more trials, there's a lot of golf left to play in this, and that was making calls tonight. One thing that, again, became very apparent to me, Dan, was just how much is really left in everything. You know, like, we could be looking at two more years. We might not even be a third of the way through this thing. When you go through both the federal portion, obviously, with the trials, and then the NCA portion of this. So, yes, the NCA is now essentially free to start its own look at certain schools that have been implicated in this. Right. And so what that means, we don't know. How hard will the NCAA go after this? We don't know. But that that hurdle, or if there was a, a hurdle or an excuse to wait, uh, is over. And so the schools mentioned prominently, in, the most prominently in the trial, Kansas, Louisville, North Carolina State. Uh, that was pretty obvious. Um, the testimony of T.J. Gasnola under oath is... Uh, can be used, and the NCAA has rewritten its deal where it doesn't have to go interview TJ Gasnola now and get his his side. They don't have to go interview Brian Bowen Sr. Uh, so you know when Brian Bowen Sr. says on the stand that you know associate head coach at Louisville gives him uh, was it twenty three hundred or twenty six thirteen hundred thirteen hundred dollars after the Shell Station meeting in front of the golf. That's that's on the record now. Um, in the past, you had to go verify it all yourself. Set it under oath at a federal trial with uh, all sorts of um, penalties if he lied. So that that was the deal. So uh, where it goes, we don't know. But it is it is a big development 
without great detail. Uh, it could lead to great detail. So we'll see uh, where that goes. Uh, as college basketball opens, the drama just continues. I don't know. <laughs> Still got to see if they're really going to go after these guys. I kind of feel like they have to, but yeah. What's more interesting right now, actual college basketball or the federal drama? <laughs> the, yeah, this is more interesting right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't There's even no think it's question. close. So. Nobody's nobody comes up to me and asks how the season's going to be or anything yeah. like that. You know what? Like, but just random rant that I that I feel compelled to go on here, like. College basketball has like always like there's no one in charge, right? So there's nobody looking out for the greater good of the sport. Yeah, let's let's have our two marquee games, like probably the best two games at least until you know mid January. Let's put them on election night in like the most divisive political times of all time. I mean, you might as well have them on at like three in the morning on closed circuit television because like there couldn't be better games and worse timing for college basketball than uh, than the opening games tonight. So congratulations, ESPN. Congratulations, the people who run college basketball. You somehow managed to screw it up again. It was pretty, <laughs> pretty, really, 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 really like difficult to mess it up more than this with really quality games and products and talent and intriguing storylines. And the world stunningly is focused on the election. So Zion Williamson. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's Beto's night. It's not Zion's night. Yeah. Even I who really am not into like watching cable news and st- like, this is the one night you got to like, other than when the hurricanes yeah. hit, like you kind of got to check it out. Um, so, um, yeah, there was no I'm in I'm in Texas right now reporting a story and stopped to uh, get a bite to eat on my way back to my hotel. And there was no basketball on TV at all. Now, I mean, very, very briefly, because I last thing I want to talk about is politics. This really should be a place where we don't have to talk. This is yes. where you can come to not two former college football players, uh, maybe more, but two that I know of did win tonight. Uh, Anthony Gonzalez, Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, won the 16th congressional district in Ohio, and Colin Allred uh, of Baylor played at Baylor and was a uh, played for the Titans in the NFL. Uh, 32nd congressional district in Texas. I don't know where any of those are, but <laughs> it's near the you know, 31st district. I'm assuming that will so. be the end. Imagine going against John King in a in a geography B, a guy <laughs> in front of the board. On I mean that guy. Yeah. Holy cow! He must have been a beast in like sixth grade geography B. Yeah, he just take knows that, everything. Jerry Palm. You've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> He's up there just zipping around, and he he'll know everything about like some county in Florida. Then all of a sudden, yeah. he'll be like, and over here in Montana, you know, and you're like, "Whoa, dude, Pomeroy, you're soft." <laughs> <laughs> Pomeroy. All right, um, all right. This is a little of an odd topic, but I thought it would be an interesting discussion. The big game this weekend is Clemson. Visiting Boston College. Upset opportunity for the Eagles who have become really strong under uh, Steve Adazio. Uh, Clemson will have to be sharp. They're usually sharp, but we'll see. At least it's intriguing. Next week, Notre Dame is at uh, the Meadowlands to face number 13, Syracuse. Dan, the Meadowlands? It's not 1996. Whatever the hell. It's still (laughs) the Meadowlands area. Yankee Stadium. Oh, is it a Yankee Stadium? Yeah, because Notre Dame is wearing the the most life. Horrific, yeah, but it's yeah. Notre Dame's wearing the most horrific. It's not the 1996 Final Four, Dan. Um, Yeah, Notre Dame's wearing the most horrific uniforms that are like pinstripe inspired. That uh, I don't, I don't know anyone who would actually like them. 
again, I can't say I'm in tune with the kids and all their fashion, but the the uniforms I saw this they they were they they made their rounds on the internet at some point. They were particularly horrific. And right, by the well, way, it's my like it's my goal in life to never write about or discuss uniforms because that's what like Adidas, Under Armour, Nike want you to do. Right. So I've always tried to avoid it. But the no- these Notre Dame uniforms were that hideous. Where they merited mention. Okay, we will have to check. And that I also out don't like the Yankees because I'm a Red Sox fan. Pete is an it's such a a, a, a fashion plate. Yeah. That yeah. That I get that. I, think, I get that a lot. Yeah, he could get that. I mean, you I, actually between the three of us on this show, you would have to be the fashion <laughs> consultant. So. I'm the I'm the tallest midget. I can take you guys in the fashion post. <laughs> uh, all right. So in the Meadowlands, even better. Um, all right. Look, you uh, live in Boston. Grew up in Western Mass. Went to Syracuse. Yeah. I grew yep. up in Boston. Yep. Went to the University of Massachusetts. I live in Detroit now where college football is actually a very big deal. But it was not a very big deal in any of the places I just mentioned. Um, So I sometimes get this. People ask, why is college football just does not resonate in the Northeast? Now, there are a lot of fans. When I grew up, I was a college football fan from day one. Like, I was into it. Uh, you were you well know, raised. I know your dad. Well raised. My dad and I would sit in the in our basement with the TV and watch like New Year's Day and all the games of the year. I loved it. I remember reading what I now realize were Dan Jenkins stories in Sports Illustrated about these sure. like, far off places. Yeah. Um, Arkansas might as well have been like Timbuktu. Yeah. No. No clue. But um, but you know there were only a few of us and 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 the local schools were no good. Now, why is the question? College football began in New Jersey, Princeton and Rutgers, okay? The Harvard-Yale rivalry and the Ivies were huge in the beginning of the 1900s, like this old tradition. But like somewhere along the way, it just died out. Uh, The only school, BC would have its moments, Syracuse would have its moments, but you never had that rabid following. Penn State is a long way. It's kind of the Northeast. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. you could consider Pittsburgh the Northeast, but you don't consider State College. It's you know it's kind of just different. That's about it. Um, football is huge in the area. It's just all NFL: Eagles, Jets, Bills, Giants, Patriots, mm-hmm. all of that. Just this week, Jeff Jacobs, who uh, is the was a longtime columnist at the Hartford Current, and he now writes for the New Haven Register. Uh, after the great latest columnist, U- really great columnist, columnist. Yeah, yeah, absolutely great. He's been around Connecticut sports and New England sports for a long time. And UConn is awful. So they get blown out by Tulsa. And he writes this column um, with this this headline. As season dies, it's worth asking if UConn football is worth keeping alive. Now, he didn't mean drop out of... Uh, <laughs> he didn't mean drop out of uh, Division One. He meant drop the sport completely. Like gone, cut bait. No football. Now, there's yeah. a lot of people in Connecticut that are against that, but there's some just like, yeah, let's just go back our basketball team into the Big East and let's, because our basketball program's falling apart. We actually care about that. This would not be asked legitimately by a major columnist at any state with a state school anywhere in the lower 48. Just wouldn't happen. Yeah. But in Connecticut, it's a legit thing. So yeah. we'll start with I the kind basic. of agree with it. And I, no offense to your alma mater. But they should run away from football as fast as humanly possible. UMass, I agree. Yeah, yeah. The sorry, I, people probably don't know that's your alma mater. Yeah. Well, I did it's, mention it like two, three yeah, minutes ago. 
yes. The uni- I, I, people probably fast forward when you're talking, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I agree. Why is UMass playing, trying to play? Me, I mean, they're independent. I would yeah. take the money and spend it on hockey. Oh, I'd yeah. spend it on lacrosse sports. You yeah. can win. Yeah. And just give up this this pipe dream idea. You're ever going to be any good. I mean, even BC, which is, you know, in the ACC, it's it's rarely good. It's good every 20 years or so. And, then, you know, it's a it's a huge drain. But why overall? Like, why is the sports just why is it, does it not work in the Northeast? Yeah. So my joke in Boston is it's the best college town in America and the worst college sports town in America. Like there's 52 colleges and universities in Boston. Boston is a great city to be like a young college age kid in. You know, you got BU, you got Harvard, you got MIT. You've just got like this young incubator of great minds. And it's a, it's a great collegiate city. Would you agree with that, Dan? Like unbelievable. Yeah. You'd go there when you were at UMass and it's just like it's a blast there. It's, it's just really, really. I don't think there's any other college environment like that. It's an awesome place to go to school. And then, like, you go to some of these games and just nobody cares, you know? Like, nobody cares. And it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what BC looks like this weekend. Boston's an event town, right? Like, yep. they'll rally for the big event. Like, they rally for the head of the Charles, you know? So Beanpot. And then now it goes yes, to another hockey game, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So BC, Clemson, game day. Weather is supposed to be reasonably warm. It's like something to do. Like, oh, let's go. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it'll be I think it'll be super vibrant. But like if you want the place rocking for Holy Cross the second Saturday in September, it's just never going to be like that culturally. I think part of it is because there's so many schools there. And part of it is sort of the cycle of growing up. There's not one big magnet. Like if you grew up in Ohio, you're rooting for Ohio State. Right. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In Massachusetts, it's just not that way. So in BC, which I think is a great school, doesn't have that same connection to Boston and New England that some of those state schools do because there is such a national draw. It's one right. of like the it's like Stanford in the Bay Area, you know, like you can't identify with everybody there. Um, not anymore. Not the way. Not the way. But it, BC used to just be people from Boston. But yes. Yes. It, but Connecticut never got into it. Matt, yeah. UMass never got into it. Not, New York has the the odd state university in New York thing. Rutgers is always terrible. Uh, you know, Rhode Island, small, but, yeah. you know, Rhode Island or any of these other smaller states. I mean, look, there's some small states that have huge football programs. Not a lot of people yeah. live in Nebraska. You know, like, yeah. you know, New Hampshire, these other places. And that's all they have, too, you know? Right. I, I think the, the pro sport took it out. But even yes. like, you know, the Patriots only came about in 1960. Yeah, you know, they're the AFL. I don't know. I, I, there's something about it that they just everyone just flocks to pro sports. It's just not even a consideration, and it's just kind of a weird deal that none of them got going. Syracuse a little, but that's just one city, and I don't really think it. And again, it's a, it's not a school where all the locals go to the school. Yeah, and it's not a foot Syracuse. I went to school there. It's not a football town. Like it's a basketball town. Like, um, they're basically begging people to like sell out the final home game against Louisville on Friday to salute the seniors who like, I mean, shoot, they were what number 13 in the latest poll, Dan, like, yes, 13, that that's unheard of. Like they haven't been that high since I was in school, you know? So that was not recently, by the way. Um, so I really think like, 
it just and again they've had 15 years of bad football so it's hard to overcome that you almost lose like a generation of fans a little bit i, I just remember like when i was at umass we would sit in the dorm there could be a game on campus yeah and we would sit in the dorm and watch florida state and then the next day go to the drive an hour and a half ago like a three-win patriots team home game like that <laughs> that was like the thought we, to, to be like hey do you want to walk across campus and go to the football no I want to watch actual good college football on my yeah. TV, my crappy TV in the dorm. Like, there just was no – there was just nothing to it. I don't know if it will ever change, um, but there's a – it's a huge miss for college football as a business because yes. it's a massively populated area. And basically, you know, even Maryland barely has any fans. You know, you really – D.C. North is just, you know, nothing. It's a wasteland. Um I mean, there's nothing to root for at Maryland, but, you know, they just they just have never quite grasped that despite the, the huge population. So, yeah, uh, I uh, I was curious if the playoff would invigorate that corridor, because yeah. I feel like you have a little bit of Philly with Penn State. You have New York because there's so many people not from New York. But like that Boston quarter, I always when you look at the ratings. Providence is always the least rated for college football games. You know, it's like Birmingham, like eighty-seven percent of the people there right, watch, they watch all, you know, every game. They watch the Sun Bowl, you know, yeah, like, right? And they're you know they're like they're like locked into the to the Troy App State game, like you know it's Super Bowl percentages. And Providence, Rhode Island, this is very anecdotal. Um, the, every time they show like the bottom five markets, Providence is always like really low. The only people I know in Boston who watch college football bet on it. Yeah. Well, I think if the playoff got bigger and then you could get into the you could follow it for longer. Um, yeah. And, and you could have some upsets. And yes. then it has way more cut crossover appeal. And I know like college football is a is the uh, I heard someone use this phrase on, you know, on um on uh, Twitter, but it, it's the country club sport. Like, who's your daddy? Who's your yeah. daddy matters. And, yeah. and we don't like anybody who isn't who isn't in the club. And we mm -hmm. did. We look down on everyone. And that, that kills imagination of just casual fans. They want to sit there and watch this. It just feels like it's the same teams in the playoff. They have to play mm -hmm. one more game. So it's a little better. But it's, you know, all right, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. could. I mean, what are we looking at right now? Like all three could be there or, you know. Yeah. You know, a same crew. And it's very southern, and it's more like uh, the, we'll fly down for a game or something. But we're just not not getting into it. And um, I actually think in in college football, like last year, there was so much southeast, and it could be a bad thing again this year. If, like the yeah. Big Ten is shut out, the Pac-12 shut out. Mm. Two but, years and, in a row, the Big Ten's on the brink. You know? Yeah, if you end up with if Georgia does beat Alabama in the SEC title game, okay, mm -hmm. a big if you end up with Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Um, you know that's tough for college football around the country. Yeah. Sort of like, you know, okay. I feel we're, like Notre we're, Dame does still have like I feel like Notre Dame's the biggest team in Boston. Yeah, Notre Dame still has a huge appeal, but yeah. like you're just like in the north, not you know it has it, but like all the Big Ten fans hate them. You know, you you can't knock these conferences out. You also like how many years do you want to have a playoff without the Pac-12 in it? A yeah. lot of people live on the West Coast. You know, one out of every eight Americans lives in California. Yeah, you guys don't exist. It's it's just tough for them to to pop it out there. I think the playoff expansion would would do that. But um, yeah, they they really care who 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 you were forty fifty years ago. All right, 
uh, Notre Dame, as you mentioned, uh, still very, very popular. Um, they are playing, uh, hosting Florida State this weekend. Uh, this should have been awesome. Yeah. Um, game everyone been looking forward to. The Seminoles have been terrible. Um, so no one even is paying any attention to it. But um, still a big game. I, I want to focus on Indy. I know you were there recently and sat down with Brian Kelly. Here's my thing about Notre Dame and Brian Kelly. I don't know if they'll ever win a national championship there. I'm guessing no. Um, and that used to be the standard. But what Brian Kelly has clearly done to me is he ended all of the Notre Dame will never be good again. They'll never be relevant. They have to join a conference. They're not important. They're, Notre Dame is exactly about as good as they can be. I mean, yeah, I agree. They get good players. They win a lot of games, not every year, but this is the second straight year. Kelly got them deep into November, undefeated. Like they got a shot at the playoff. They played in a national title game. They lost to Alabama, but guess what? A lot of people do. Yeah. Um, he's kind of got the program in really, really good shape. It's just not, you know, it's never going to be whatever, 1963, and you just win the national title. Mm-hmm. Maybe if it was the old polls. They'd be sitting at one. Yeah. And you never, and, and, and somehow they didn't have to face it like Alabama, you know, the old sports writers and mm-hmm. Notre Dame could be sitting at one. I don't know. You know, totally different era when they won yeah. a lot of those titles. Sure. So, yeah. So I like, I think Brian Kelly's sort of remake of Notre Dame from that four and eight season has been unbelievably impressive, really underrated, I think. And you know, I, I think they're pretty good, Dan. Like, if you look at their numbers after they inserted Ian Book at quarterback, like, they're they're very high end. Now, could they beat Alabama? No. I don't think they'd beat Clemson either. But at least they have, like, an identity. And their defense is what I think they've kind of over – where they've overachieved. My line that I used to Brian Kelly, and I'm using in my story on Yahoo this week, is that their, uh, their sum is greater than their parts. And that's a compliment to the coaches there. It's a compliment to Clark Lee, the defensive coordinator, to Chip Long, the offensive coordinator. They've gotten the most out of the talent on their roster. Um, I went back and looked in 2012. Guess how many players from that defense in 2012 were drafted the next few years? How many? Ten. Eh. Like, that's not terrible. They always had a good defense. Yeah. It kind of sucks because everything's like, well, you know, compared to Alabama. It's just like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Can't compare mm-hmm. to Alabama. You're right. They're, they're good. Mm-hmm. They just got trucked that game. Yeah. They, they weren't in it for a snap, and it was pretty obvious. Um, but, like, it wasn't like they were this, like, scrappy, you know, team of Rudy's. Like, they had real guys, um, you know, who went on and, you know, a whole bunch of them played in the NFL. Secondary guys, linebackers, D-linemen, like the whole, you know, the whole shebang. So, um, yeah, I I – feel like this this week will be interesting i do feel like florida state as unpopular as this opinion may be is playing slightly better than the disastrous levels that they started at they still have too many penalties but they showed some flexibility at the quarterback position last week uh brian burns their defensive end i think has been one of the best players defensive players in college football all season in a in a year of great d lineman he has certainly proven himself to be uh on an elite elite level uh, I don't know. I don't be surprised if like uh, if if a little swagger shows up and the Knolls make it interesting this week. Book is back, right? 
He's only a junior. I, I believe he's a redshirt sophomore, Dan. Sophomore. Okay. Yeah. Um, they always get quarterbacks. Um, I, I mean, can they can they climb another another rung on this? this? I mean, I know everyone needs Alabama to step down from being this good, but yeah. Um, I think book is a great place to build. Um, you know, they they had a grad transfer on defense this year, uh, Gilman from I believe Navy, who's really helped them and like you know, maybe they get a little more creative and fill in some spots and they've, they've recruited really well. The one thing Mike Elko did when he went there two years ago to become their defensive coordinator was he really gave them a resuscitation in the recruiting realm. Um, that's helped Clark Lee's carried that over certainly, but, um, that was not an area of like particular specialty of Brian Kelly. And when they did the staff reboot, he's really focused a lot more in that area and it's really helped them. So, yeah, I mean, look, like they could make the playoff this year and be in the top five preseason next year and kind of be on a little bit of a, a run of relevancy that a lot of people didn't see coming for sure. They do not get a lot of great five-star players. They get a lot of great four-star players, though, uh, and they always have skill position guys um, mm-hmm. to this day. I think Brian Kelly has been better at doing that. Charlie Weiss kind of started that, too. There was an error there where it was they were all offensive linemen and, and, and tight ends. Yeah, uh, that was basically, you know, they never they didn't have the wideouts and then they started getting them. Uh, Golden yeah. Tate, and Michael Floyd, Michael Floyd that, yeah. that was a big kind of group. And now they, it's it's just carried through uh, through the years. They have they have those game breakers. So uh, we will see Notre Dame, though. Uh, it was not long ago before all the pundits just said they'll never be any good. Yeah. And it never made any sense. Every school can be good if you get the right coach. All the, And when you don't have the right coach, look at Syracuse, right? And you stink if you don't have them too. You can be, I mean, oh yeah, USC stunk, Texas is stunk, Michigan stunk. You know, it all. It doesn't matter what you got. If you got the wrong guy, Alabama used to be bad. You know, they weren't any good, and they got Nick Saban. Now, yeah, you know, now it makes all the sense in the world. All right, uh, mm-hmm. Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn will coach Auburn next year. Um, the uh, Auburn AD came out. Um, uh, Alan Green said on uh, Tuesday that Malzahn will be our coach of the future. Full vote of confidence. The Tigers are six and three. They defeated um, Texas A&M last week. This is a good time to make this statement. They have Georgia and Auburn and Alabama still to come, both mm-hmm. on the road. So the likelihood is the Tigers end up seven and four. And I think this mm-hmm. is pretty smooth by Green to just take this off the equation. They owe him too much money. They just gave him a seven-year, $49 million contract. It would be $32 million, 16 of which would have to be paid immediately. Man, that's like Powerball, man. Just the money right in. Do you take That's the, a lot of Chick-fil-A. It's a lot of Chick-fil-A. So they had to do it. Uh, they announced him. Uh, he's going to stay. Um, I think the question here with Malzahn, he go, it's up and down. He has bad season. He's good. Can he do what? what – Brian Kelly's done and rebuild on the fly. Even Mark yeah. D'Antonio for a, to to a spell had a terrible year and then came back and had a good one. That's the question because this is like a I don't know. Like we we've said it earlier, should he just gone to to Arkansas uh, and started fresh? Well, now they're kind of both stuck with each other. I don't know how many people really want Gus Malzahn right now. Yeah, his offense has kind of gone stale, Dan. Yeah, um, you know he was the big innovator and. You know, I believe he was the OC on the title team with Cam Newton, and then 
went to Arkansas State and he could move the ball. And he was obviously one of the forebearers of tempo back when he coached high school. I think they had 13 yards rushing against Texas A&M. So I think he needs a little bit of introspection and evolution in order to go forward. Chip Lindsey, who's the sharp offensive coordinator there, may end up getting thrown under the bus and all this. Um, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be really interesting. But something needs to change, perhaps philosophically, at Auburn. Um, it'd be interesting to see what the uh, what the quarterback does there, because obviously. A lot of people thought Stidham going into the year, Jared Stidham, you know, who had been at Baylor and bounced around, um, was going to be a top NFL guy. They've had a bad year. He's had a bad year. He hasn't been that accurate. Does he come back or does he punt and go elsewhere? I don't know if he's going to graduate and transfer. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of big picture questions at Auburn that uh, need to be answered. I see these two guys as stuck with each other at this point. I, mean, I don't see Gus getting offered a job now that would pay commiserate pay or opportunities no. like the way Arkansas did. And then that was special. Yeah. That was his home state. They needed a guy. They had tons of money. They want that offense, the whole thing. It, that was his out. And that was Auburn's out. And then, and Auburn gave him too much money and a dumb, you know, just a dumb move. And so now it's like, all right, what, what you can't fire him and he can't get another job. I mean, yeah. get a job, but not like that. So, Mm-hmm. They better figure it out, or uh, it's not going to go so well. Yeah, yeah. No, there is zero market for Gus Malzahn right now. Yeah, zero, zero market. So there yeah. you go. You're paying him. Um, mm-hmm. All right, Pete. We both travel a lot. We both fly a lot. Um, yeah, we do. And this story uh, struck me. First off, it said, uh, uh, "Let me just read it to you." Delta has apologized after a Michigan man sat in feces left behind by a service dog last week. Bay City resident Matthew Meehan had already sat down on his flight when he realized that feces was all over his seat and the surrounding floor. I was literally in it, he said. (laughs) (laughs) Solid quote. Uh, He asked the flight attendant, this is the best part, Meehan asked flight attendants for help cleaning it up but they only provided two paper towels on a small bottle of bombay sapphire gin that is by far the best part i read that story on yahoo on tuesday morning and i was like there can you imagine that well here you go just clean it up with a little gin just drink it <laughs> just give it a drink and they also made him sit back down they were yeah, like they you're not gonna seats. yeah you're not gonna know you're not gonna get where you're going we're not gonna clean it for you like yeah sit down and shut up basically yeah they put a blanket over it and he had to sit in the flight fortunately it was only atlanta to miami um yeah so here's my thing um this was a service dog so i'm guessing it it it, it was helping a visually impaired person so that's fine but there are dogs now on the plane yeah there every flight there's somebody holding little cuddly yeah. Uh, you know, like those purse dogs, the purse dogs, the this dog, and it, and they they need their, what do they call them emotional support. Is yeah, it the emotional support so. dog? I think so. There was like someone there. There was a New York Times story about this. Like, like someone ten years ago, like they figured out how to remember. Remember in college basketball, 
they used to used to, like find the guy who could get you diagnosed learning disabled so you could get cheat on your SAT. Right, right, right. Take it untied. There was like a, there was like a someone who who you could go to and they could say, oh, Dan needs a emotional support support dog on the plane because Pat makes fun of him on the podcast and so he's he's very I think, fragile. I think so that is. To I have, am fragile. Yes, he needs to have his little uh, his little yeah Doctor Evil cat with him so he can pet the cat so he's not fragile on the flight and. Uh, yeah, so that that opened the floodgates to where now, like you know, basically anybody can bring you know you can bring like Mike the Tiger on the plane. Now. Wild Kingdom in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like so, a zoo. Uh, you, you, are you in favor of this or against it? Have you, have you ever you know? If you I am smelt certainly a dog, in favor of service dogs. You know, being with people That's who they yeah. need to serve the emotional support animal. Eh. I'm kind of I'm 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 ambivalent. Let's put it that way. I I could do without them. I I would I would you know, look. We've got a lot bigger problems in this country than than, <laughs> than animals on planes. All right, we but, don't handle the important ones. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. People come for for an escape. I think it's ridiculous. What, what can I say? I I just it's just a, it's just a way to transport your dog. <laughs> yeah, that's all. I, I just it's crap. You're not you're not scared. No pun intended. Get over it. Just get over it. <laughs> I will say the dogs generally are less problematic than when they began, and I thought. Yeah, that's true. I've never had a bad dog experience on a plane, unlike our friend flying from Atlanta to Miami. Now, if that happened to you, would you post pictures on social media like that guy with his like $500 shoes and the feces on them? No. No, I would not. I would definitely take photos and tell Delta they're paying for my shoes. But yeah. No, I would not be doing that. I would not be taking AP questions and doing interviews. I just bask in the humiliation. <laughs> that said, Yahoo probably got a million clicks on that story today. So you do you, Salvatore Veragamo shoe yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I assume right. he listens to the podcast. I just think I just think it's a it's a, a you know keep your dog off the plane. Just mm-hmm. just deal with it. They got these nice little pet like hotels now and all that. Yeah. I think, Pat probably brings a dog on the plane. That's probably. (laughs) Well, we're going to wrap up with uh, some more uh, uh, animal news. Um, uh, Aurora the Falcon, our dear friend, the glory, the glorious old girl, 22 year old who uh, had her wings injured when some army cadets tried to steal her uh, last week at West Point. Uh, The good news. We have good news. Awesome. uh, After uh, being examined by a master falconer. And veterinarians in Fort Carson, Colorado, the academy says uh, she's expected to recover, full recovery for Aurora. Wow! Um, uh, so that is good. Now, in the meantime, the army—this is an ongoing saga—and I'm all over this thing. The army has issued an apology. They have apologized to the Air Force. Wow. The- the U.S. Military Academy sincerely apologizes for an incident involving USMA cadets and the Air Force Academy Falcon. We are taking this situation very seriously, and this occurrence does not reflect on the Army or USMA core values of dignity and respect. Went on to call it an unfortunate incident. Um, so uh, now I also have details on the so the Army's taking responsibility. I don't know where they've caught these two guys who got probably have talon marks we believe yeah um, but we do have some details all right uh pat did nothing for us uh <laughs> but the new york times reported um that two falcons were actually taken 
Uh, they had the cadets. This is a quote. The cadets threw sweaters over the birds and later stuffed them in a dog crate. Uh, Sam Dollar, the Air Force Academy's falconry team advisor. Dude, they, the Falcon, they have a falconry team and an advisor. They don't just roll this bird out, apparently. Yeah. Pat left us high and dry on all this. Yeah, this he, is should, just, he should have known this. This is terrible. Uh, like not knowing who the Red Sox manager is growing up in Boston. You got to know about the falconry team if you grew up in Colorado went, Springs. He went to Air Academy High. Yeah. Okay. Like he went to the high school of the Air Force Academy. What the heck? Yeah. Uh, That's probably why cadets... he's so disciplined, by the way, our friend Pat, the paragon of discipline. Yeah, it really is. Can't imagine why I didn't move on to the Air Force. Yeah. Um, when, <laughs> when the when the cadets. The, the good thing drunk. is Pat doesn't know how to download podcasts, so he would never listen to this entire thing. Like, <laughs> this is zero chance. We can say anything we want about yeah. Pat right now. Unless he someone would, tells him he's got zero chance. He would have been drunk flying those fighter planes. It would have been terrible. <laughs> Pat's so bad with technology. For years, he only had like one app on his phone, and it was to check swimming results because he didn't know the password. <laughs> what was it called? Swim apps. win or something? Swim, swim, swim. swim. Yeah, swim, swim. swim. <laughs> I'm like, Pat, why don't you download Uber? He's like, I don't need Uber. <laughs> yeah, that guy needs Uber. Uh, anyway, when the cadets returned the birds Saturday morning, Aurora had blood on her wings from abrasions. Uh, but they, they believe likely caused by thrashing around in the crate. So maybe there wasn't a fight. Uh, here's a quote by the uh, falconry advisor. I think they had them for a couple hours and they realized it was a bad mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Well, one more point on this now. These army dudes could be in a lot of trouble. Oh, really? Uh, this is more than just a prank gone bad. Like, we're going to run a lot. Uh, animal abuse, specifically to an animal on the government's payroll, is a crime in the military. The crime of abuse of a public animal has been on the military books since the army was founded. It's used primarily to charge those who abuse pack animals, such as mules and horses. So are they going to get like tarred and feathered? Is that how old the rule is? Like, can can you imagine? Okay, you work your ass off. Oh, make West Point. Yeah, you go through all the hell of West Point. I mean, you need yeah. straight it. You got to be everything to make West Point, and you end up getting kicked out and maybe charged. These are the best of the best, and you blow it because you, one night you said, "We have nothing. We're not doing anything fun here. Let's go steal a falcon." Oh, my God. Not good. Not good. All right. That's the podcast. This thing needs to end. Don't steal Falcons. Try to obey the laws, people. Just for us. All right. We'll be back later. Uh, subscribe. Leave us a good review. Race for the case later this week. Pat and Pete. to get Pat back. Talk to you guys later.